0: Welcome to Healing Place Church, where our mission is to be a healing place for a hurting world. We hope to enrich your life through reaching, serving, giving, and building. As you listen to this teaching, be inspired to fulfill your God-given destiny through the power of His Word. God, we love you, but we thank you for this day. God, we thank you for this year. And your presence with us, Lord, whether it has been the best year we've ever had uh, or, Lord, the hardest year that we've ever had. Lord, we know that you're with us no matter what. And we pray the same thing for this year. God, we may experience highs we've never experienced before. God, it may be full of some lows uh, that we don't anticipate. Uh, But we know that no matter what, God, you, your peace, your strength, your joy remains constant. Lord, as Jeffrey read, nothing could separate us from the love of Christ. And so God, we thank you for your word. We open up your word today and ask it to give us insight, Lord, into your plan for our life this year. So Lord, open up our hearts to receive what your word says as we open up your word. Father, we love you. We ask it all in Jesus name. And everyone said, Amen. 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 Hey, so Luke chapter 3. I want to look at three quick episodes in the life of Christ at the very beginning. I love the stories of the Bible. I just I like I like reading them and seeing what's there. So this is, in Luke chapter 3, we're going to start in verse 21. This is at the very beginning of Jesus' ministry. So in a lot of our services lately, we've been reading about the the beginning of his life. The Bible doesn't say a lot about Jesus' childhood, except one that makes me feel better about the only story it has of Jesus' childhood are his parents forgot him at church, all right? How many parents, you've forgotten your kids somewhere and that makes you feel better, all right? I'm, I'm one of those, all right? I can't tell you how many times I've been in the office over here and look at my phone and realize I got a kid somewhere in Baton Rouge that I'm supposed to be there. And uh, about 10 minutes later, I leave the office and go get him. And so that's about the only story of Jesus' childhood that's in there. And then it goes right into uh, his ministry. So Jesus uh, was about 30 years old when he started his ministry. Up until that point, really most people didn't understand, his family did, and a few people, uh, what was going on. But in, in Luke 3... He just, I mean, it is announced literally from the heavens. And so I want to look in Luke 3, verse 21, and we're going to talk about the voice here as we look at his baptism. It says in verse 21, when all the people were being baptized, now this is by John the Baptist. John the Baptist is one of Jesus' relatives. He was a forerunner to Jesus. He was coming to announce that there's one coming after me that is the Messiah, but he was baptizing people as he was preaching that. And so they're at the Jordan near Jerusalem, baptizing people. And this is kind of an outside movement, outside of kind of the religious orthodoxy and the religious mainstream of the day. John the Baptist is kind of a wild man. And uh, so he's, he's out there baptizing people. So it says, when all the people were being baptized, Jesus was baptized too. Now, I want to stop right there because that's easy to, to skip over But that's a really interesting uh, scripture or phrase in the Bible because why would Jesus be baptized? Baptism is for sinners, all right? I don't want to hurt your feelings if you got baptized here this year, all right? But you got baptized for the same reason I got baptized. I was a sinner. My life was transformed by the love and grace and forgiveness of the Lord of Jesus and so in baptism, we symbolize that we go down metaphorically into a watery grave. We leave our old life behind us and are raised to a new life in Christ. So, if that's what baptism is about, and that's what John was saying, and that's kind of what John, what made John so outside, is he was baptizing people. In the first century, the only people that got baptized were Gentiles, people who were not Jewish by ethnicity that wanted to be Jewish in religion. And so what they would do is they would baptize them saying, you go down your old life, your old family, your old nationality, your old religion is dead. Now that you're raised, you are 100% Jewish. And so John was baptizing Jews. And what he was saying is there's a time coming when everybody needs to start over. And the religious, you know, elite didn't like that. So he's out doing that, and Jesus comes and gets baptized. So why? Well, that's a long phrase, all right, to get to my original question. I'm sorry about that, all right? And so now you understand my kids are like, Dad, hurry up. Come on, we got to get somewhere. And and so so why would Jesus be baptized? Here's what I think. In his birth, he shared in our humanity. As he begins his ministry in baptism, he begins his ministry by sharing in our sinfulness. And he will end his ministry by sharing in our sinfulness on the cross. And so when Jesus gets baptized, what he's saying is, I am standing with you, not only in your weakness, but also in your sin. Jesus had nothing to repent of. Jesus had nothing to leave behind. But his first act is to stand with us in our worst moments. And I don't mean our mistakes. I mean our moral failures. And he says, you know what? I'm not siding with the perfect. I am siding with you. He's kind of leaning. I don't, ever, I don't know if you've ever been in a situation where everybody's over there and they're looking at you because you did something wrong and you feel embarrassed. And it helps sometimes to have somebody kind of lean over and say, you know what? I'm going to stand with you right now. You're not the only one that they're looking at. In baptism, Jesus does that for us. And that's not really part of what I want to talk about today, but I think that's a really interesting phrase. So it says, Jesus was baptized too. And as he was praying... Heaven was opened, and the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove. And a voice from heaven said, You are my son, whom I love. With you I am well pleased. So we talk about the voice this morning. I want to point out that Jesus' ministry began by hearing the voice of God. I think it's important that our year, 2018, begin with us hearing the voice of God. I think it's the most important decision that we can make. And I would say this, not only should our year begin with hearing the voice of God, I believe every single day should begin hearing the voice of God. Our plans should begin hearing the voice of God. Any decision that we make should begin hearing the voice of God. We've gotta make this year a commitment to hear the voice of God. And here's why God's voice is so important. I really think the voice we listen to determines the path that we take. All right? I think we all kind of have our own inner GPS. You know, turn left here, turn right here. All right? You know what? Do this now. Make this decision. Okay, you know what? Say this. Don't say that. Feel this. Do this stuff. We all have this kind of own inner GPS, and it comes from the voice that we listen to. All right? And there are competing voices. Jesus had competing voices. As he went through his ministry, his disciples are telling him to do one. And look, some of the voices were hard not to listen to. His disciples are telling him to do one thing. His mother and his family is telling him to do one thing. The Pharisees are telling him to do one thing. And that's why I think it was so important as he moved in this time that was so important and there's all these voices coming at him that he began by hearing and focusing and committing to the voice of his father, because we have competing voices as well. All right. I came here to tell you this morning, you have voices in your head. Now, there may be some here like, no, I got a paper from the doctor that says I don't have that anymore. All right. And that's somebody different. But there are competing voices in our life. You know, I thought about the voice of our past. As some of us start out 2018, man, with hope. That's why you're here this morning. You know, I'm starting out 2018 with hope, and it's going to be awesome. I'm going to do this. And there's a voice in your head that says, no, it's not. You have said that before. You do this. Every time you say this, it ends up this way. That's just who you are, and you're never going to change. That is not the voice of the Lord. Sometimes it's the voice of our own desires, Look, you know what I want? I want this, and I want this, and I want this. And they may be bad things. They may not be bad things. But that's not the voice of God. That's the voice of our own desires. And we're going to talk about that in a second. That may compete with the voice of God. Sometimes it's the expectation of others. People are telling us, you know what you need to do. You know who you need to be. You need to act like this. You need to do this. Well-intentioned voices. But they're not the voice of God. There are other voices that are competing to determine the path that we take in 2018. And we can't afford to listen to any other voice than the voice of our Father. And so what that means is we've got to commit to God's voice. And and in doing that, we've got to lower the other ones. You know, I've learned sometimes I'll be leaving my house, you know, to go to the office or to go somewhere somewhere. And while I'm gone, I want the kids to be kind of taking care of some stuff. They're kind of getting to that age. So I'll walk into the living room. Hey, boys, listen up real quick. And TV's on, video game's on, and I've learned they don't hear a word I said. So what do you have to do? You have to walk into the living room, and the first thing I have to say, hey, pause it, stop it, turn the TV off, look here. I got to stop everything else so that they can hear my voice. When we talk about focusing on God's voice, prioritizing God's voice, it is finding a way to quiet the other voices in our life. And look, I don't know if there's ever been an age that is filled with more voices and more distractions. Some of them destructive, some of them neutral, but they're not the voice of God. And to find a way to quiet everything else and to focus in on God's voice. You know, I I thought about this. God's voice is not hiding, it's just competing. Because it sounds so mystical, doesn't it? The voice of God. You know, like, you know, you got to be here on this property and kind of walk around like this, you know. Hold on, wait. I mean, kind of over. It's not like that. And we're going to talk about that in a second. God's voice is everywhere. God's not hiding, He's just competing with other priorities in our life. And the way to find Him is not to say, God, where are you? but to take everything else and kind of push it down so we can focus on him. You know, I I just thought about another illustration. One of the interesting rituals that I've learned that we have to go through at Christmas time. I have four boys, and they have grandparents. I was thinking the other day, I just, you know, I'm thankful for their relationship with grandparents. I didn't really have that just because, of you know, circumstances in my life wasn't a bad thing. But I don't ever remember getting a gift from my grandparents, my kids are tired of Christmas by the time it comes to our family. I can't get everything home. All right. And so, what we've had to do is you know, this ritual because what happens is they've already got a closet full of stuff. All right. And it's so full of other things that they can't find what they want to play with. And sometimes our life is like that it's just so full of other stuff that we can't find what's really important and kind of simplifying and pushing down and and focusing on God's life. God's not hiding. He just has to compete. And so we've got to prioritize. And here's the thing. When I talk about God's voice, almost everything, I really believe this, and I'm not trying to make this non-spiritual because I I want you to know this. I believe in prophecy. I believe that God will speak specifically in certain situations. Hey, you need to do this. I believe that. That being said, All right, so I believe in all the weird stuff. All right, let me just come out as a weird dude. All right, I believe in it all. I believe in tongues and interpretation, all that kind of stuff. We're gonna talk about that, that'll be another day. 99.9% of what God wants to say to me this year is right here. When I talk about prioritizing God's voice, I don't mean going out in the desert and putting on some weird Indian drum music, trying to chant, I'm not talking about that. I'm trying to talk about make this real in my life. Make this prioritizing God's work. An, and look, I'm a big goal setter. I love plans. I love all that kind of stuff. But, and I'm getting to the point in my life where trial and error is starting to uh, bring some wisdom. All right? Because I've made a ton of mistakes. And here's one of the things I learned through trial and error. My plans, my goals, my wishes do not determine my success as much as my habits. My habits determine my success more than anything else. In fact, that's why, you know, what do we, we, right now we're talking about what? New Year's resolutions. In a month, what are we going to be talking about? How many New Year's resolutions do we break? We've all made goals and plans, and I'm going to do all this. It's my just consistent daily habits to determine the success of my life. When I talk about hearing God's voice, I'm not talking about anything kind of crazy or you know, I just mean prioritizing and making a habit of getting into God's Word and getting into prayer. I really believe that's the most important thing that we can do in 2018 is just prioritizing God's Word in our life. And so I want to share with you, we've got a couple tools and one of them we talked about in the news they'll do that this year. One is, and I brought my phone up there for this reason. If you saw that and thought I was expecting a text or trying to get the score of the ball game, that's not why, all right? I wanted to walk you through this. We've got, and if you have your phones, you can get out right now. We got uh, the HPC app. So I got it right there, okay? So we got Healing Place Church. I don't know if you see that. I don't know if it matters, okay? So download the Healing Place Church app, and then in the middle, there's a middle button at the bottom, and it's like a dot with a bunch of lines, okay? Those are reading plans. So if you click that, and it just says browse. I've already clicked browse reading plans. You got HPC reading plan 2017. I asked them if they could take that off for today, but they're like, no, you don't understand. There are people that have read for 364 days in a row, and if we take that off on the 31st, they will lose their mind. All right? So, any of you OCD people out there, that's for you. Okay? But then right under that, it says yearbook reading plan. That's the next series we're going into. That starts tomorrow. Tomorrow. You can click on it or you can subscribe to it. Click on it right now. And there's a devotional for every day. Start this plan. And a devotional for every day and a reading. So tomorrow it is John 11, verses 20 through 33. I want to encourage you. If you don't already have a reading plan, something as simple as that can help. And just prioritize. You know the other things that we do, and I'm praying about what to do now. We'll have a period, uh, I think we start on January 8th, 21 days of prayer and fasting. Man, get involved in that somehow. Morning prayer here at 6 a.m., Monday through Friday. I, I, here's the thing. I know it's hard. I can promise you this. I can't promise you that after 21 days of being here for morning prayer, you'll be like, man, I'm a millionaire and my house is paid off. And I know exactly what to do. And my kids are, I can't promise you that. I can promise you this. At the end of those 21 days, you won't look back and say, well, that was a bad decision. Can't believe I did that. Can't believe I spent all that time in prayer. And, and you know, and I do this too. Pray for something to fast. And I don't want to get a whole teaching on fasting, okay? And fasting normally in the Bible is, is going without food for the purpose of focusing in. Is it not working? No, it's working. Oh, Okay. Oh. Okay. It's on the yeah, it's on there too. I I thought I made a mistake. I'm used to that. Alright? I have women tell me I make mistakes all the time. And so um and, and so but here's what fasting is really about. Fasting brings the presence of God into our everyday life. All right. So what normally, like for me, um, you know, I eat breakfast at about five, then I eat breakfast after I drop the kids off at eight. And then I have a snack at. You think I'm joking? I have a snack at 10:30, and then lunch before 11:30. All right, that's just kind of my routine. All right, if I were to fast food at five and at eight and at 10:30, I take my focus off of what I normally focus on, and I focus on God. Does that make sense? That's why you ever read and look. If, if you start a Bible plan, I'm spending way more time on this than I thought, but I think it's important. You start a Bible and you, you cruise through Genesis. Isn't that awesome? And Exodus, you know, and people are getting killed, and it's kind of fun, and it's like a movie, all right? And then you get to Leviticus, and you're like, I can't hear about cotton one more time. <laughs> why, why, why is he so concerned about that mole on that person? But here's what the book of Leviticus is about. So I'm going to tell you in two minutes, and just skip it, all right? Just skip it, all right? <laughs> Nobody's ever going to tell you that. Don't feel bad. Don't tell them in Bible study. when they Don't lie. But when they start talking about Leviticus, it's hard. Just be like, "Mm, yeah, just kind of all right. (laughs) Here's what Leviticus is about. You know, Moses got the law up on the mountain. God wrote it. Man, it was just awesome. It was amazing. But the struggle we all have is bringing that into our everyday life. And so Leviticus, Exodus is awesome. All right, it's got these amazing, the water parts and miracles. All right. But in Leviticus, God says, "Let me tell you how to take your coat, and it's going to make you think about me. All right, let me tell you how to take your meals. It's going to make you think about me. And then when you get that rash on your skin, it's going to make you think about me. You know, we talked about lowering those other voices. Leviticus is finding a way to take the truths of God and just making them part of our everyday life. I want to encourage you during 21 days of fasting. Find oh, give up Diet Coke, give up social media." All right, give up your favorite TV show. Just DVR it and watch it in February. All right, whatever it is. So no, whatever it is that you normally say, "Oh, I'm gonna go do." Oh, wait, hold on. Father, I just want to take right now. Just thank you, love you, speak. I'm telling. You, it's not this great, incredible, like mystical thing. Just find a way during 21 days of prayer and fasting to take a normal routine, stop it, and substitute time with God for that routine, because hearing His voice is that important. I really believe, and, and, and here's the thing, you know, I think it's interesting what God told Jesus, because do you think Jesus didn't know that? I mean, here it is, this amazing moment. He's starting his ministry. You know, you would think, okay, Lord, do I go north or do I go south? He didn't say that. Lord, do I go to Jerusalem, do I go to Capernaum, do I go to Egypt? They really need it over there. Alright, Lord, who which twelve disciples do I pick? Lord, name he didn't say any of this. You know what he said? You're my son. I love you. I'm pleased with you. Can I tell you this? Because I, I said I believe most of it is right there in the Bible. I do believe God speaks to our heart. I think when he speaks to our heart, most of it, he's confirming what he's already said in his word. And that's what gives us the strength to keep moving. Because here's why God's voice is so important. There are going to be times in 2018, that's all we have. Something is going to happen to shake the foundations of our life. And we don't have anything else to trust in. We don't know what tomorrow holds. And that voice inside that I think most of the time confirms what he said in his word that says, I told you, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. That applies right now. I I told you what Jeffrey read, that nothing, I know you made a mistake, and I know you're so embarrassed about what you just did, but nothing can separate you from the love of Christ Jesus. I, I, I know you're mad at them, but I already told you, you forgive 70 times 7. When I told you how to pray, I said, forgive those who have sinned against you so I can forgive you. I think most of the time when God speaks to our heart, he's confirming what's in his word. And it's important because there's going to be times in our life. man. that's all we have. God, I need to hear from you. And, you know, as I was thinking about that this week, there's going to be some hard times in 2018. That's all we have. But the truth is there's something about hard times that drive us to God's Word. Here's what I think may be harder. There's going to be some good times in 2018 where it's going to be easy to move away from that. And we're going to need God's voice more in the successful times than we do in the barren times. Does that make sense? It may, God's voice may be the only thing that as we slowly, man, life gets good, and we kind of get away from center, that says, wait, you need to get back over here, son. Remember what I told you about this? Remember what brought that blessing in the first place? You know, it, the voice we listen to determines the path that we take. So I think it's important that we do that because, and, and i, I got to hurry through this, the second thing is the test. So look in Luke chapter 4, and, and I think this is the interesting passage of Scripture, because you would think after that, okay, you're starting your ministry. Imagine you're starting first day of work, and you feel like God told you to take that job, and you walk into the office, and as soon as you walk into the office, this light comes down from heaven. This is the one I have chosen. Listen to him. It's going to be awesome. You would think, oh, they're, they're going to make me a partner right now. All right? Like you would think it only gets better from there. Look at Luke chapter 4. Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the desert, where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. He ate nothing during those days, and at the end of them he was hungry. Here's what I know about 2018. Some days you're by the Jordan. Some days you're in the desert. Some days the Holy Spirit is like a dove on your shoulder, and some days Satan is right in front of your face. That's why the voice is so important, because it's the voice that gets us through the test. And I think it's interesting that it says the, the Bible says that the Holy Spirit sent him out there. And I think we have a better chance of making it through the test if we know the test is coming. I was telling one of my boys about this this week. I, I went to LSU for a couple years, all right? I, I did graduate somewhere else, but I went to LSU a couple years. And I had this history class my freshman year that was at 1030. And I like history, but bless his heart, and I hope he's not here this morning, it was boring. I mean, it was rough. And it was a Tuesday-Thursday class, which meant it was an hour and a half. And it was at 1030, which meant that boring history competed with the pizza buffet that opened at eleven. And I'm from Central. I'd never heard of a pizza buffet. I thought that was the most amazing thing I had ever heard of in my life. You pay five bucks and eat all the pizza you want, and, you know, especially when you're a college student. And so, I, look, there, there were uh, many a day that I didn't make it to Coates Hall, all right? I made it over to the pizza buffet. And so I remember one day, I, I don't know, I maybe skipped two or three classes in a row. And, but this day, I was like, man, I, I got to go. But I'm going, and I'm 10 minutes late. And so I got my backpack, and I'm walking in, and I open up the door, and they're taking a test. They're all writing in their blue book. And I'll never forget, you know, one of those moments where you have to quickly decide what to do, and I open up the door, and I looked around, closed that door. Just walked out, man, I, I will deal with that later. Because it's hard to take a test when you don't know. And, and so I, we need to know that this year, man, there will be a test. I was telling my sons, he got this basketball thing from my parents. So we were at home putting it together and he's helping me. And I'm also trying to teach him how to put things together. And so I remember telling him, said, son, what you do, you don't tighten all the bolts. All right. Because at some point in this, dad's going to make a mistake and we're going to have to take something off. And it's easier to take, that's the truth. I've just learned, when I put something together, it doesn't matter how good it's going in the beginning, it's gonna go bad at some point. I'm just prepared for it, and I used to get frustrated. I don't, here it is, all right? I just, this don't, there's a piece missing, or I did something wrong, all right? I think life is like that, and I don't mean, you know, that, I don't mean to be pessimistic. I I, kind of think of myself as a pessimistic optimist. I think things are gonna work out, just not today, All right? (laughs) So I'm not saying, you know, oh, it's going to be terrible, but I just, just know. You're at the Jordan one day, and if you know the test is coming, it kind of gives you a little bit of strength. And here's what makes it hard. There's a scripture that if any scripture could have been left out of the Bible, none of them could, all right? This is maybe one. This is the most obvious scripture in the Bible, all right? For 40 days, he was tempted by the devil. He ate nothing during those days, and at the end of them, he was hungry. I think I could have figured that out on my own, all right? <laughs> 40 days, like... I told you, that could have been written about me at 9.30 in the morning, all right, every single morning. But here's, here's what I think is important, and this is something that God's been speaking to me. So when I preach, I'm really preaching to myself, and y'all are just eavesdropping, all right? I don't know if you understand that, but the test doesn't start till you're hungry, all right? Because then there's, and we'll get to this in a second, we had not even talked about what the test is. The test really started kind of, and I am not know how this word, kind of at the end of the 40 days, the way Luke talks about it. The test doesn't start till you're hungry. The test doesn't start till you're tired. In fact, let me put it in another way, and I've been trying to remind myself of this. It's what we do after we want to quit that makes the difference in our lives. It's what we do after we want to... Man, first couple days in the desert, if you'd have put me in the... Well, first couple hours in the desert. All right, let's be honest, okay? Man, I got this. Full of fans. January 1st, not many people break their resolutions on January 1st. Man, everybody's all excited. Man, I can do this. Man, I'm showing up a prayer, reading my Bible, all this, man, I'm full of faith I'm be nice to my wife and kind to my kids and, you know, just, just give and blessing in the, in, the, in the community and all this kind of stuff. It's after you're tired, after you're hungry, after you've aggravated and you've been taken advantage of. When you want to quit, I have had enough. That's when the test starts. And I think it's important that we know that. And that's why the voice of God is so important because we've run out of all our own energy. We've run out of all our own ideas. We've run out of all of our own strength. And all we have is the voice of God. You are my child and I love you. And that's all that we have. I think that's when the test starts. And you know, it's interesting too, before we get into the, uh, the specific test, look in verse 13. The devil said to him, if you are the son of God, tell this stone to become bread. So it starts when we're hungry. You know what it starts with? The wrong voice. Isn't it interesting that Satan says, and here, Satan is subtle, not the opposite of what God just said, because we wouldn't fall for that. You know, Satan kind of comes to us. You know what you need to do? You need to stop going to church, stop giving to church, just, you know, start, you know, just doing more, start stealing from your job. That's what you need to do. We're not going to fall for that. Satan's more subtle, all right? He just kind of one degree at a time, and the wrong voice starts to enter our life. That's why it's so important that we're focused on, on the right voice. And look what the test is. And I, I want to go through this kind of quickly. I, I think you can put the test in three things, all right? The first one is this. The devil said to him, if you're the son of God, tell the stone to become bread. Jesus answered, it is written, Man does not live on bread alone, Matthew says, but in every word that comes out of the mouth of God. That's an interesting, I could talk about this story forever. You probably figured this out. That's an interesting test to me. Because the first test in Jesus' life was turning stones into bread. The first miracle was turning water into wine. If you'd ask more preachers, they'd probably wish he'd have turned the stone into bread than the water into wine. You know, why is one a sin and not another? other? Because here's the thing. God had told him not to eat bread. And here's, I think, the first test in our life. It's settling for less because it looks like more. It's settling for something that Satan is offering us that looks like more in our life, but it's less than what God has planned for our life. And I think that's why Jesus said, man does not live on bread alone. Well, Satan could have countered, well, it's not bread alone, because here's what I think Satan tells us. You can have this and still have all that. I think Jesus understood If I take this, I'm trading in all that. You know, one of the other phrases that I've tried to remind myself a lot is this. I can do anything I want, but I can't do everything that I want. And sometimes in trying to have it all and trying to have more, we end up stuck with less. Can you imagine Jesus holding a piece of bread, looking at the kingdom of God, knowing he traded that for this? One of the things I regret most in my life is times I have traded that, and that is exceedingly, abundantly above all that I could ask or imagine for what someone placed in front of me when I was hungry. And I took this, or I was hungry, or I was tired, or I was lonely, or I felt like this Is fill the need that I have right now, but God is saying, I want that need in your life so that you will depend on me. Don't trade what I have for you for what Satan is offering you. And again, what is Satan offering? Bread. Man, what's wrong with bread? I think one of the most dangerous phrases we can ever say is, well, what's wrong with this? It's not what's wrong, it's what's best in our life. And so I think the first test was, will I settle for less? The second is this, I think settling for easy. And the second test, the devil devil led him in a high place and showed him in an instant all the kingdoms of the world, which is in a sense what God had promised him. Satan will sometimes show us what God has promised us, but give us another way to get there. Um, And he said, I will give you all their authority and splendor, for it has been given to me, and I can give it to anyone I want to. So if you worship me, it will all be yours. Now think about this. Here's what Satan is saying. God is offering you this. I'm offering you the same thing. God's route is through the cross. You can get mine done in five minutes. All right? And that kind of the culture that we're in, you know, just quickly and easily. So the first test is settling for less. I think the second test is settling for easy. But look at what Jesus says. It is written, which is interesting that he answers every temptation like that. I think that's how important scripture is. Uh, it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve you only. I think we'll always be disappointed in what Satan offers. Satan offers us this, man, it's, it, it's, it's just, let me offer you an easier road. But it's not just God's will, it's God's will, God's way. And Jesus understood that. So he said, I'm not selling for less, and I'm not going to settle for easy. I know it's going to be a tough three years. But at the end, I'm actually going to get what God promised me instead of what Satan does, which is a bait and switch. All right? The third thing is this, settling for now. The devil led him to Jerusalem and had him stand on the highest point in the temple. It says, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down from here. For it is written, he will command his angels concerning you to guard you carefully. They will lift you up by their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. What he's saying here is, look, let me take you to the temple. You jump off, angels catch you right in front of everybody. They will proclaim you the Messiah, and you can have it right now instead of waiting like God. God led you out here into the desert. I'm trying to get you to the temple. That's what Satan is saying to Jesus. Look at what he says. Jesus says this. But it says, do not put the Lord your God to the test. Here was, I think, the test. Settling for less than what God has for us. Settling for easy, when God has a hard road ahead of us, but it's a promise, and settling for now. We think we're getting a deal when we're settling for less or easier now, but we're not, because the other side, talk about the voice, the test, is the anointing. And here's where we want to live, and it's in Matthew chapter 4. And Look, the anointing, that's a real churchy word, all right? That's like, that's not a word I would suggest you put on your resume. You know, you're interviewing for a job, it says here you graduated from Southern University, yes, and it, it says you're anointed. Yes, okay, we'll get back with you, all right? Don't, like, put that, don't, you know, tell your boss, hey, you know, Pastor Green said I'm anointed. Do I get a raise or, or whatever, okay? But here's what anointing is. It's, it's an Old Testament concept. When God would choose someone, normally a king, for a certain task or a certain time, he would call his prophet. The prophets represented God to the people. So he would call his prophet, and they would pour oil on their head. Oil represented the Holy Spirit. And they were anointing him. So for instance, uh, in in, uh, 1 Samuel 16, when there's already a king, but it's not the one God has chosen, and God chooses David, so he sends Samuel out to go find David, and he pours oil on his head, saying, this is God's chosen. All that to say this. Here's what anointing is. Anointing means that you are chosen and empowered for a purpose. And let me tell you something. Every single person here you are anointed. You are chosen and you are empowered by God for a purpose. And what gets us in trouble is when we get off track of our anointing and we forget or we leave behind what we are anointed to do. And I'll give you kind of an illustration. uh, in, In the morning, so my kids will go back to school in a little bit, I am anointed to get their teeth brushed, breakfast. Dressed and in the car so we can get to school on time. I am chosen and empowered to do that. They and and I stay on that track, alright? They are anointed to get to school on time. They don't stay on that track. They're over there playing with their Legos. They're on their phone doing all this kind of stuff. So here's what happens: when they forget what they are anointed to do and get distracted, they don't get where they're supposed to be. Alright? Every single person in here, you are anointed for something. You are chosen by God. Nobody else. God could have chosen Pastor Mike Heyman, He didn't choose him. God could have chosen Billy Graham. He didn't choose him. He could have chosen the Pope. He didn't choose him. He chose you. And you are chosen and empowered. You are anointed for a certain purpose, and it always has to do with people. It always has to do with people that God wants to touch. And as long as we understand and stay on the track of that anointing, we'll be on the track of what God wants for our lives. And that's why God's voice is so important, because it keeps us on track. And that's why when those come together, we understand our anointing, and we're hearing God's voice, it gives us strength for the test. Because here's the thing I've learned. It's easy to fail a test when all we think about is ourselves. But we can make it through it when we're doing it for somebody else. I don't know what God has for you this year, and it might be hard. You're not going through it for yourself. Come on, how many parents in here, you've done things you would have never done for yourselves, but you did it for your kids, all right? You are anointed. God has something for you, and it's for other people. So look at what Jesus said. Look in, in chapter 4. So he leaves there in verse 14. says, Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit. One thing I think is interesting, the common denominator in all of this is the Holy Spirit. He was there at the baptism. He was there in the desert. He is here in Nazareth. So it says, Jesus continued to Galilee in the power of the Spirit. News about him spread through the whole countryside. He's starting to do miracles. He's starting to teach. He's gathering a crowd. He taught in their synagogues, and everyone praised him. Remember we said sometimes that's the hardest thing to get through. The hard times sometimes are easier to get through than when everyone's praising us. Verse 16, he went to Nazareth where he had been brought up. And on the Sabbath day, he went to the synagogue, as was his custom, and he stood up to read. So basically, he's kind of homeboy done good. And they're like, hey, why don't you preach today, all right? And so they ask him to get up and read. And the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him, unrolling it. He found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is on me, because he has anointed me, look what it says, to preach the good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners, recovery of sight for the blind, release the oppressed, And proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. You know why? One reason I think Jesus was able to turn down all the splendor and authority that Satan offered him because he knew that's not what he was anointed for. You know what I'm anointed for? The poor and the oppressed, and the blind and the prisoner and the brokenhearted. And I say that to say, and I want to close with this because I think the anointing gives us strength in the test. But it gives us clarity in times of decision. And, that's, it's all, and it's all connected. That's why it's important we begin by hearing the voice of God. It gives us strength for the test. Because sometimes I think we look at decisions the wrong way. And I want to tell you the story. Like I told you, I've made a ton of mistakes. So, uh, you know, i got a few stories of things I've done right that I can share. Mostly it's mistake stories, all right? And, and the keys can come up. I remember I was about 30 years old. I just got married. And I got the opportunity to come on staff here at the church. The time I was teaching, was coaching football, loved it, enjoyed it. In fact, I just kind of made the decision, this might be what I want to do with the rest of my life. And then the opportunity, you know, to come on staff. So man, I did what every you know Christian's supposed to do. I prayed, I fasted. Lord, what do you want me to do? This or this? I got choice A, choice B. I'm amazed how many times my prayers choice A or choice B. And, and spoiler alert, I think God is saying, I, I don't really care. All right? Lord, should I, should I take this job or this job? Or should I go to this school or go to this school? Lord, what, should I invest over here or should I invest over here? What is the new tax plan and all this kind of stuff? And we got all these choices and we're normally thinking, okay, what's, what's best for me? And man, I prayed, I fasted, nothing. Nothing. And part of me was thinking, well, that tells me not to take the church job, all right? God ain't speaking to me. And so I'll never forget, and I still have this written down. And, and I wasn't even thinking this word anointing, but this is the point I'm trying to make, because God has something like this for you. I sat down, and I do this when I have trouble making decisions. Okay, let me write down what I know, okay? So I got, I got and I still have it sitting in my office. And I wrote down, okay, Lord, what have you called me to do? What do I know you want me to do? And, uh, okay, well, number one, I know you want me to be a disciple, I know you want me to follow you the best I can. And I wrote that down. Be the best disciple of Jesus that I can. (laughs) I'd just gotten married, didn't have kids yet. All right, that would be a whole nother ball of wax. Lord, I know that you've called me to be the best husband to Roxanne that I possibly can. I wrote that down, okay? So those apply to a bunch of us. This one may or may not. The third one, I said, Lord, I, I feel like, and some of you may doubt this at this point, I feel like you've called me to teach your word. I just I just feel like you called me to do that, so I wrote down number three. Some of you are thinking, nope. All right, I wrote down, Lord, you've you've called me to teach your word. All right, and then the fourth thing, Lord, you call me to the poor. I, I know that, so I wrote down number four, call me to the poor. Couldn't come up with anything else. That was it. And then I had this thought, okay, if I stay in my job now, can I do those four? Yes, I can be a disciple. I can be a husband. I, you know, I was teaching here as a volunteer a little bit, and I was teaching Bible where I was, and man, helping the poor. I was a, one of the main volunteers in the inner city ministry here at Healing Place Church. We just, I'd just come out of a, an outreach where we bust two thousand people from the inner city to that building up front. If you can imagine what that was like, and man, I was all in the middle of that. Okay, well, if I come on staff at Healing Place, I can still be a disciple. I can still be a good husband. A few more, maybe opportunity to teach God's Word. I can reach the inner city. And here's what I felt like God told me, I don't care what you do, do those four things. And I say that as we go into 2018, it's important that we hear God's voice. It's important that we know a test is coming. We focus on God's voice in that test and not settle for less than what God has for us. So we can get to chapter four, where God says, I have anointed you to And here's what I'm getting at, and maybe this doesn't apply to everybody, but I felt really strong this week, all right? There may be some decisions you have to make this year that seem really important, seem like make or break. Do I work here or there? Do we live here or there? Do I, here or there? And you know what God is saying? I don't care. I don't care if you're here or in Dallas. I know that sounds crazy. Now, if you're praying about who to marry, you may want to talk to somebody before you take this advice. All right. That's a big decision. I don't care if you're here or in Dallas or up north or if you go to Southern or LSU or what you major in. As long as you do these three, here's what I've anointed you to do. I've anointed you to reach the poor. I've anointed you to help marriages. I've I've anointed you to to do missions in kind of this area. I've anointed you to be a giver. I've anointed you to be a husband, a wife, a son, a, a friend. I've anointed you to be the best disciple that you possibly can be. I've anointed you to reach the people in your community. Now, what's on your business card or where you work or where you live, that's all secondary. And that's crazy to say. I'm not saying God's not. There may be some of you that God says, you better take that job because I set that job aside for you. I believe that happens sometimes. But I think it's important to know, Lord, what have you chosen and empowered me to do? Because it's gonna give me clarity when I have to make decisions and it's going to give me strength in the test because I know that I'm not doing it for myself. So my prayer this year, and if you'll stand with me, I want to close out in prayer. And I prayed this week about how to end the service. And I don't feel like we should do an altar call. Now listen, if you need prayer today, our prayer partners are here. When we close service, I want to encourage you to come forward. There's something going on in your life, uh, something you need strength for in 2018, a commitment that you're making, all right? I want to encourage you, man, do not pass up this opportunity. Trust me, nobody's on the roads, all right? There'll be plenty of time at the the restaurant, all right? So come forward. But here's my prayer for you this year, and I want to close out with this prayer. I want to pray that God will give us the discipline to commit to his voice, the strength to pass the test, and that we will experience the joy of living out what God has anointed us to do. So, Father, Lord, I just pray for every single person here today. God, I thank you that you love us enough to speak to us. God, that you care about us enough that you don't leave us alone in the desert. Lord, you are there every single moment. And, God, what an amazing, humbling thought that you chose me. Lord, you chose and empowered me to do something. God, I don't wanna leave this earth without doing it. So God, I pray this year, God, give me the discipline to prioritize your voice above everything else. God, the best decision I can make to be a good husband this year is to prioritize your voice. Lord, to be a good father, to be a good employee, to be a good friend, God, the best decision I can make to be successful in any area of my life, Lord, is to prioritize your voice. Give me the discipline to do that. God, give me the strength to pass the test. God, when I'm tired, when I'm hungry, when I want want to quit, and Lord, there's something in front of me that offers an easy way out, but God, it is less than what you have for me. God, don't let me make a decision because I want something now when you have something better for me down the road. God, give me the strength to pass that test. And God, help me to experience, help all of us to experience the joy of living out what you have anointed us to do. God, we thank you, Lord, that you have all that planned for us. Lord, for those that will experience tragedy this year or have experienced it in the last year, God, I pray for peace and I pray for comfort and I pray for strength. God, I pray that they would never feel alone. Father, we love you. We ask it all in Jesus' name. And everyone said. Thank you for listening. For more information about Healing Place Church, go to healingplacechurch.org or give us a call at 225-753-2273.